Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Weekend sports with a difference. Yeah, I really shouldn't be drinking. Oh, really? You learned that in med school that you obviously didn't get into? A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. At least I have my own bed. Your bed is a car. Yeah, but it's a sweet car. And Rashad Taylor. He's a very gifted singer. I'm really, really good. How good? I've been called the songbird of my generation. Stop. By people who've heard me. That good. On 1080 The Fan. Happy Sunday morning. It is Mike and Joe with you today. I'm in a very strange situation over here. First of all, I forgot my headphones. Second of all, I forgot my water bottle. Third of all, there's only one pair of working headphones in this entire GD building that I can ever find. You look like you're using those, like, hand-me-down library headphones that and they, they give, like, seven-year-olds. I'll get to that in a second. They feel <laughs> terrible. And we're in a radio station, let alone can I not find headphones outside of these that work. There's no adapters for headphones literally anywhere. Our pets' heads are falling off. <laughs> So I came in and I was like, oh, okay, I forgot my headphones. I know there's this working pair in here. Oh, the adapter's not on there. And for those who don't know, um, we don't just have normal headphone jacks. We we do in some places, like on this side of the room that I'm using right now. But we have, I, I don't know what they're called, but we have little adapters that you put the headphones in and they're larger. They would be a quarter inch adapter. Ooh. The uh, term. video they're, only coming out from Joe they're, right there. Lo, they're a little bit girthier than the regular. <laughs> they're thick jacks. with two C's. They're thick. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you put the headphone in the adapter and then that goes into the actual thing that's getting you the audio wherever you're sitting. And we, I, there's none of those either. I went into like six studios before the show started and I can't find them. And I'm so frustrated that every time we look for these things, they're not here. Our thermometer at the front of the building speaks Chinese to us. Yep. Although that now has a plug so that it doesn't run out of batteries. I noticed that. Oh. Oh, they got plugs for the thermometer, but not extra jacks <laughs> for the headphones. 
plenty of USB-C cords around. Um, yeah, this is my own fault for getting my headphones. I, I was at my own apartment this morning. I walked past my backpack that had everything in it. I just didn't grab it. I just was I was disoriented this morning, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go to my car, and I'm going to go to the show. And I know Rashad's out today, and he is out today. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to, in, in the car, think about what we're talking about today. And, uh, yeah, then I came in and was like, oh, I forgot that, and I forgot that, and now I'm over here. And so I'm sitting in Rashad's, Rashad's chair. That's what I'm doing. Well, I can't hear myself in my own headphones. The trajectory of this show the last few weeks, it seems like I'm the only one who cares to be here anymore, okay? <laughs> so. Hey, Joe. Just put this uh, show on my back. Would you like to host today? <laughs> Don't do that to me. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just fun to complain about it because we're in a radio station and we don't have anything that radio stations I feel like should have. We had, yeah, like a ton of like cheap Sennheiser headphones lying around and those all seem to be disappearing left and right. They well, should... they, they started to break. That's true. Hence, they were cheap Sennheiser headphones yeah. laying around. I mean, literally, problem. I looked that model up, and they were like ten bucks a piece. Oh, were they really? Yeah. So they bought those babies in bulk and just said, "Oh, because well, Sennheiser makes really good headphones." Yeah, the, those ones are the, the entry level ones. <laughs> well, whatever I'm wearing right now, I can't hear myself in my own <laughs> headphones. Like I said, it, those look like what the like kindergartners use at the public this, library when they're using the computers. They're like the headphones handed out to you on airplanes. Like, hey. <laughs> yes. Did you exactly. not bring headphones? Would you like to listen to the to the in-flight entertainment? No, I have my headphones because I'm a normal human being. <laughs> and uh, they're like hard plastic. The actual cushion on the ear is not really a cushion. <laughs> it doesn't seem to stretch beyond this length. So you look on ridiculous. my giant head, I probably look really, really strange. <laughs> yeah. It's and, it's definitely a look. Yeah, it's a look. Well, <laughs> you know what? We're going to fight through it and do our best because we are professionals. Joe has his very nice headphones on, his fancy Bose headphones that plug right in, and they're over ear, and they're very, very nice. Good producer would have gave me his headphones and worn these for the <laughs> don't, show. Don't even, <laughs> don't even guilt me right now into giving you headphones. No, it's totally my fault. I, I was halfway down the, drive, down the drive here, and I was like, why did I not grab my back? I, this is part of my daily routine. And I don't pick it up. It's so strange. I don't know why that happens sometimes. It's like you have this rhythm. I'm very much about my routine. And uh, you have this rhythm about your day. And you just, you know, you go through it and you're doing your thing. And you, you know what's coming up next. And you know what you need to do. My rhythm of Sunday morning is to get up and shower and grab my backpack and go out to the car and go to work. And I'm just like, nope. Nope. Just going to get up and shower and leave. <laughs> My uh, straight up, I don't know what's going on. My Sunday rhythm is wake up at the very last possible second, panic, and uh, grab my headphones, throw on the Adidas slippers, and get here about five minutes before the show. Usually, uh, typing the Sports Center update as I'm in the car, which I do not condone. Obviously, I mean you're doing it when you're when, parked, right? When the car's sitting, of course. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I mean, right. come on. Not, not a Neanderthal the, here. Yeah, not when you're driving. Not at all. No. 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 Only in the parking lot when you get here. Of course. Yes, of course. Yes. Very safe. Very, yes, very safe. Five minutes before the show starts. I have a very similar Sunday morning routine, which which is get up as late as humanly possible, but still wanting to shower. And uh, I've started to change my attire. I used to dress in jeans and a shirt and, you know, actually like get dressed. For this show? For this show. I ha uh, that's, that's something I've done almost every single show. And today is now the second time in three weeks that I've done this. I just threw on basketball shorts. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> and that's a Sunday, Sunday and, vibes, man. Yeah, but it's 
I don't know. I think there was something about it to me that I wanted to come in and just like, I'm going to work, so I have to get dressed. And now I'm just like, it's Sunday morning and I'm tired, so I'm going to put on basketball shorts. I, I do respect that. I, yeah. res- I respect the fact that you take it a little bit more seriously and that, yeah, this is a job. You are getting paid for this. So you might might take it a little serious, but again, it's the Sunday vibes, you know. Throw, yeah. Throw on the Adidas slippers, some uh, sweatpants. Don't shower, as I often don't do. I'll take care of that after eleven o'clock. Yeah, I like to shower before I leave the apartment slash house. That's just kind of a that's an OCD thing for me. Is I hate leaving if I haven't showered. It just bothers me. Before I like the, to I like to be clean before the disgusting dirt and grime of this grubby air and world gets on you. Yes. I'd like to shower first and not cover myself in more disgusting arid dirt from the from the climate. But eh, it's just what I like to do. But, yeah, I'm starting to get a little bit more Sunday vibes on you. I'm wearing basketball shorts. I'm wearing, like, a, a shirt that I wouldn't wear out normally in a comfortable hoodie. Pretty sure I slept in this shirt I'm wearing right now. Mm. That's, the, the, that's the vibes I'm rocking, Mike. Well, here's the problem. I sleep naked, so... If you want me to, to rock your Sunday vibes, I'm just coming in here fully nude. You know, Mike, you... I'm yeah. a big proponent of sleeping nude, man. Let's uh, let's keep clothes on. But uh, I I hear you. I mean, I'm uh starting to venture into that. I might just be done with the whole boxers thing. Yeah, yeah. You know they. It's just restrictive. They are. They are. Uh, briefs. You definitely have a little bit more flexibility, and that definitely runs into. I've I've ran into it a few times the last week or so now, where it's just you know what, we're going out natural here. And it's, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. My it dad is. always did it. I thought he was weird, but as you no, get older, no, definitely appreciate it. Next thing you do, you take the shirt off too, and you're <laughs> sleeping in your birthday suit, and it's no, fantastic. I like the the Donald Duck outfit for sleeping. Just wear a shirt. <laughs> the bottomless party <laughs> from uh, Harold and Kumar too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just a shirt in bed. That's it. Shirt uh, and socks. Oh, no, not socks. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> socks are the worst when you're sleeping. Unless I guess you're someone who sleeps very, very cold. I sleep very hot, which is why also sleeping fully nude is very helpful. I'm an oven when I'm sleeping. There's sometimes, yeah, during the winter, we're all just full-blown sweatshirt, sweatpants, socks, six blankets on. I want to cry. That, I mean, that sometimes is wonderful during the winter time. I have a perfect temperature room for sleeping. I crack the window because it's going to be cold at night. I want a little bit of the cold air coming in. I got the fan on to move the air around, and then I have two blankets and nothing on me, as I've already discussed in detail, and you get the perfect temperature. Your hands or legs can stick out, and it's nice and cool out there, but the two blankets gives you the warmth you need in a colder room, and plus, from what I've heard, sleeping in the cold is healthier for you than sleeping in the hot. Is that from uh, study, studyfinds.com? <laughs> Studyfinds.org. .org. And no, me. no, it's not. That's an Isaac Rob specialty. I just remember seeing that sleeping in the cold is a, is a little bit healthier for you. And Joe likes it hot. Really, really, really I disgustingly do. hot. I do like it hot. <laughs> he keeps that studio in there way too hot. I'll walk in after he's been in there and I'm like, what is this? MTV, MTV Crib style. <laughs> this is where the magic happens. <laughs> right here in this studio. It's happened many times before. All right. What are we going to talk about today, Joe? We got to talk about the Blazers. Remember last week we made the proclamation that that Clippers game felt like a must-win game for the direction of the team? <laughs> My God. <laughs> well, they didn't win that one. And then they didn't win the next one against the Jazz. <sighs> but, but 
They won yesterday. And then like the least, yeah, the least the Pistons. The least alluring game of the week actually had something kind of cool happen in it. So yeah, so we'll get to some Blazer talk. I want to get into some NFL draft as well. We haven't talked a lot of NFL draft on the show the last few weeks, but we now have the assumption that the top three picks will be quarterbacks with the potential of the top four picks being quarterbacks as well. What would you do? We haven't really talked a lot about the draft or any of these prospects at all. So I kind of want to get into a little bit of, you know, how I feel about Lawrence and Wilson and, and fields, et cetera, and the teams that are trading up there and all that kind of stuff. So we'll get to that during the show. If you're a golf fan, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I haven't watched much of the Masters at all. Well, that's where I come in, Mike Lynch. I mean, if you want to do a Masters segment, Joe, I can sit back and you can go. I don't know. Do you like ratings? <laughs> Someone's been listening to primetime a lot lately. And I, I, I heard that, that uh, this week, and that was, <laughs> like you and Suk both said, that was a good one. That was, was a good, good. one. Uh, I mean, I know some people like the Masters. I, I, I'll probably watch a little bit today because it's Sunday at the Masters, but I'm just not a golf guy. But, you know, if Joe wants to talk about a little bit of Masters. We can give a little bit of a rundown. All right, we can do that too. So we got Blazers, we got NFL Draft, we got a little bit of a Masters rundown and more. Text us 503-250-1080, and uh, we will get to those during the show. And then you can find us on social media. I'm at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter. Joe is at JoeFish3, F-I-S-C-H. And Rashad, who is out today, is at TaylorMade50. But I would like to start with your team that sucks, the Portland Trailblazers. What on earth can they do to get this figured out? Or is this just the lot that we're stuck with? That's next, Sports Sunday on the fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Ah, yes. Rest in peace, DMX. Although these are going to be incredibly heavily edited versions of songs because he curses a lot. Oh, yeah. I'm sure when everybody heard Party Up, the uncensored version for the first time because they were so used to the radio version, they were just like, what? <laughs> what What did he just? Oh, my God. I thought the word was this. I thought it was just a bunch of sounds and ad <laughs> I he loved and, barking. Yeah, barks. And what? <laughs> yeah, DMX is, a, is one that hit me, man. It was, I, I've, I've, from doing primetime, I've seen them go through this multiple times with artists who pass away, who they liked a lot, who they were, you know, when they were growing up. And, you know, I, I know the ones who are dying, but I never listened to them necessarily. The first one that truly got me was Chester Bennington, the lead singer of Lincoln Park when he committed suicide. Right. Uh, because that was a band that was very formative for me. But DMX is another one that kind of hits really close to home because DMX was one of my favorite rappers growing up. For sure. I had a couple of his first few albums, you know, I would listen to them on my, on my disc, man. And, uh, uncensored, of course, <laughs> and uh, he was on the Any Given Sunday soundtrack. With can't uh, believe my parents bought this for me. <laughs> with the with the song classically known as my N words, <laughs> and that's all he says in the song. Um, it is, it's sad, and I know he has kind of a mixed past, and I know he had dog fighting stuff, and uh, he's been to jail, and he's got drug issues. He's not the perfect person. It does from what everything that I I was following him with. It seemed as if he was trying to atone for a lot of that towards the end of his life, uh, the last 10, 15 years of his life, or 15 years of his career, I suppose, if you want to add that in there too. 
is he was trying just to be a person that was good and helping out the community and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, he definitely had some demons, and I'm not going to sit up here and defend them. Obviously, it's terrible, but RIP to DMX either way. Yeah. Because it uh, seems like he was a good guy at the end. Yeah, it's unfortunate just because he has uh, been out in the open the last few years about his drug use and trying to recover and overcome that. And so to see him pass away and to succumb to that and overdose and you know that that was just a real heartbreaker and all this it's just like yeah to to see that happen to someone like you said who you grew up with and whose voice and sound and music that was so unique and iconic and really influenced a lot of guys that are now in the game now it's just yeah it really sucks man he is very iconic in in sound super unique yeah i feel like he may have influenced a lot of people but nobody really got to be the next dmx there wasn't there was such an energy that he had when he was rapping that was i want to say never matched right i mean i'm trying to think i mean no there's really nobody who sounded like him at all right no it's like i said it's very unique unique. yeah definitely it's it's a bummer uh i think it was thursday night when i was working out at um the gym i go to the trainer there he played a couple dmx songs and towards the end and that's when it hit me in the feels for sure mm-hmm. and then that night the rumor started going out that he had passed away and then the next day it was confirmed and it was just it was rough man very yeah. sad it is it's gonna start happening more as we get to our 30s we're gonna start seeing some of those artists that we grew up with passing away yep. and it's gonna be sad tears it's gonna, be, it's gonna be a sad time uh we did get this text we had the guy before we get to the blazers who does the ask anything segment and he sent a couple today this one is the most interesting one to me he asked me, cause especially because Rashad's not here, he said, what was your biggest culture shock moving from the Northeast to the Northwest? And <laughs> this is probably going to sound bad, but it was a reverse culture shock. It was, everyone here is white. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not kidding. I, I don't put it past you. That was the biggest culture shock I had when I first moved here. I grew up in a town that was very diverse. I went to a high school where I was a minority as a white kid. And, you know, you go to Syracuse, it's a university, it's diversity, right? There's lots of people from different countries and places that go there. So, I mean, I always grew up around lots of different people. And I moved here, and the first place I lived was downtown at the park blocks right near PSU for a couple of years. And I just remember, like, I moved here and I'm a runner. So I was like, oh, let me go out and run. And I'm going to go learn the neighborhood. And I went, you know, this partially is probably the, the my fault, but I, I went like up into the hills behind PSU, which is a very nice neighborhood. But um, I, I was just like, oh, my God, there's it's all white people, <laughs> like 85 percent white people, if not more. That was the biggest culture shock for me. It was. Just because I was so I was so used to seeing so many different types of cultures and people around that when I moved here, that wasn't exactly the case. It reminds me of a uh, family guy when Peter finds out that he's like part black, like one of his grandparents long time ago was black and he's in a movie theater or somewhere and he just goes, awful lot of honkies in here. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. That was yep. Mike Lynch when he moved to Portland. <laughs> a lot of honkies in this area. <laughs> that was that was it. That was the biggest culture shock for me. Otherwise, it was pretty smooth sailing. Uh, maybe the driving, too. You know, I'll, I'll always rail on the drivers here because of how different it is from where I grew up. But, you know, New Jersey is known as being one of the more aggressive driving states, maybe only rivaled by, like, Florida or Massachusetts. 
and Florida is only half aggressive because the other half are driving 30 miles an hour because they're old. Um, or 90 on that stretch of highway that goes along the Atlantic, the Highway 1 or whatever. No, not Highway 1. There's like California. There's one that just basically goes down all the way down the coastline. That's 95, and, yeah. And people just book it like 100 miles per hour on that thing. Do they? Pretty sure. I've, no. seen, I've seen some videos of it not ending well for people that do no. it, though. All right. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of going 100 miles an hour on Route 80. Going to Penn State once. I've seen you leave this station going 100 miles per hour is what it seems like. That's not true. I never. I have not hit 100 miles an hour in Oregon. Well, congratulations. I have myself on the back <laughs> for that one. Uh, no, that's uh, that was that was college me being an idiot. But I, I had merged onto a highway from a different highway, and I was going 80 and a 65. And when I merged onto the highway, every car was flying past me. And I went, what is, I'm driving 80 miles an hour and everyone's flying. And it was like 19 year old Mike or 20 year old Mike was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find out what speed they're going. (laughs) And I accelerated and I caught up to them. Well, I didn't catch up to them, but I stayed with them and they were going hundred miles an hour. And you know how fast I got to Penn state? Very fast (laughs) because everyone was going hundred miles an hour. Set a new PR. I, I, I was shocked. There was no cops anywhere, obviously, and everyone was just flying. It was probably because people knew that there weren't cops there or something, and it was just like, woo, let's go. Um, yeah, so that's my biggest culture shock was the driving as well as uh, just the lack of diversity when I when I first moved here. I found the diversity, but it's just not as prevalent as as where I grew up for sure. But, uh, but yeah. All right. I feel like we've come to a crossroads because I don't want to start the Blazer segment now because we're just about near break time. Um but I'll start, I'll start off with this. I'll, I'll wrap up with this before we get to the next segment. My Blazers hot take is trade CJ, re-sign Norman Powell, move on from Yusuf Nurkic, and keep Ennis Cantor. Cantor had himself a historic game yesterday. 30 rebounds. Now, now please preface this. This is a hot take from the text line. Yes, this not, is not my hot take. Okay. This is a text line hot take. Let's make that clear. Um, so but I'm going to get. I'm going to get. Mike to, coming in hot. No, I'm going to get to all of that kind of stuff coming up because it's it's important. Um, yeah. Yesterday, Ennis Cantor, thirty rebounds, thirty, three zero, a Blazers record, his record, a world record. Was it a world record? I don't think so. No. He had twenty four points as well in a, in a good game. They won by fifteen over the Pistons. It was never really in doubt, but. That's the kind of the part of the problem here with this Blazers team is we get all hyped up. Oh, they played good defense. Held the Pistons to 103 points. That means they're turning the corner. Are they, though? We'll get to the Blazers next. First, Joe has sports. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 9.32 here on your Sunday morning. No Rashad today. It's Mike and Joe. About to get into some Blazers. The Blazers fell to the Clippers. Woo! (laughs) I was waiting for it. Blazers fell to the Clippers. 133. 116 on what was that Tuesday and then fell to the Jazz 122 103 a couple of days later 
As a reminder, the Jazz had played the night before against the Suns and lost in overtime to the Suns and still beat the Blazers, who had the day off, by 20 points. Kept it close in the first half, and then things just sort of escalated in that second half. The L.A. Clippers in the first quarter scored 47 points in their 133-116 win over the Blazers. In the first quarter. I was feeling like DMX and party up. Going to lose my mind. Up in here. Yeah. Up in here. Uh, I mean, it was it was a dreadful quarter, and so much so that Terry Stotts at the end of the game, who often in front of the media is very, very passive and or protective of his team, whatever word you want to use, he called it embarrassing. Dude, I did too. I Right after that quarter, I fired off the first fire Terry Stotts tweet of the season. You've joined the ranks. I I went there. I was like, I'm done. I didn't say fire him, but I said he's done after this season, after a quarter like that. Now against the Jazz, at halftime, it was a close game. Jazz were up by three, I think. And then in the third quarter, the Blazers gave up 40 points and only scored 19, by the way, which is where the blowout commenced. And they lost by 20. So... Last week on the show, I said, I think the Clippers game was a must win because if you're going to prove to Blazer fans that you are a team that can figure this S out and start to play a lick of defense, then you're going to have to start doing it against the good teams because that's basically all you have left on your schedule. But they didn't. They got embarrassed in the first quarter, immediately got embarrassed in the first quarter, and they got it closer. Honestly, I have no idea how they did that in the second quarter against the Clippers. Well... They got it closer, and they actually got it within two in the third quarter. But it doesn't matter because they still lost by 15, right? They got it within two, and the second they got that close, the Clippers went, you go away now. We're going to win this game. After the Jazz game, Damian Lillard came out and looked as frustrated as he's probably ever looked as a Blazer player. And he he said that these teams just put us away. And it's true. The teams that are above them in the West – and the East, for that matter, because you can include the Bucks in this, who have blown you out twice. They put you away. You might be hanging around there. You might have come back from a big deficit. You might have had a good quarter. But at the end of the game, you're still losing by 15 and 20 points. And that's a really, really, really big problem. It's starting to lead to the question, for me, of I thought it was a certainty the Blazers were going to make the playoffs, and I still think they will. But are they going to avoid... The play-in game now, the play-in series, that's not such a certainty anymore. I really thought for sure they were locked in four, five, six. They were fine. But right now, they only have a one-and-a-half game lead over the Mavericks in the seventh seed. The Mavericks are seven and three in their last ten and playing better, by the way. The same Mavericks team that, although you split with them, embarrassed you as well in the second of that of that back-to-back was it earlier this month or, or, you know, a couple weeks ago at least? The Blazers are still 10 games over 500. That's the crazy thing, right? They're still 10 games over 500. They're still in the playoffs in a competitive, crowded West. You know, we always joke about this, but in, in the East, they would be a four seed right now and a half game back of the Bucks for the three seed. I mean, it's just a different world in the Western Conference on a yearly basis, but it doesn't matter. That's the conference you're in. That's the schedule you're given. You're 10 games over 500. That's great. But you're that close to getting back into that play-in series again. Now, you're not – look, you're you're still 
six games away from out of the playoffs, right? The Spurs are the ninth seed. They're six games behind you. You're going to make the playoffs. First of all, you have Damian Lillard. He's going to he's gonna buoy you enough against these bad teams and hopefully give you a couple wins against the good teams because he goes nuclear. And, um, you know, you're going to be in the playoffs, but you really don't want to get in that playing series because last year at the end of the, bu- uh, the end of the bubble, Damian Lillard said that playing series is what killed him. You know, they had to play such high energy all of those games to make it in, and then they had to play the Grizzlies in the playing game, and then they were gifted with playing the Lakers, and they got smacked. And I think that high was just still running into that first game against the Lakers, and then reality set in yeah. very quickly like, after. Oh, right. This team's really, really good. Yeah. And you got – well, you lost in five after that. You won the first game and then got swept afterwards. Well, Mike, and, you know, speaking of the Grizzlies, they're playing a lot better. And yeah. guess who you have to play three, uh, three times in a four-game stretch? The Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. And before you play them, you play literally, I think, six – seven playoff teams from the West and the East. So by the time you meet up with Memphis, you very well could be playing for the eight seed, the seven seed, because Dallas has been playing really good lately too. Yep. I mean, there's really, there's really no gimmies. No left on the schedule outside of Cleveland. We we talked about this last week. I think it was like 16 of the 23 remaining games were against playoff teams in the East and West. Yeah. Well, right, right now you have Cleveland and Houston later on. You know, you can write those off as, as bad teams. I get. Uh, how is Atlanta doing? Are they in the playoffs? Atlanta is doing much better than they were the five the earlier part of the season. Yeah, yeah, they played much better. Seriously, looking looking at the schedule right now, you are playing exclusively playoff teams. Seriously, well, the Pacers the Pacers are on the outside looking in. That's kind of surprising, actually. But yeah, they fell off. Uh, Pacers are, are another team that would be out. But Miami playoffs, Boston playoffs. Spurs just on the outside looking in Charlotte playoffs Clippers playoffs Denver Memphis Memphis Indiana Memphis Brooklyn Boston Atlanta bad or playoffs I mean Cleveland bad Lakers Spurs Houston Utah Phoenix Denver I mean it is as tough of a run in the rest of the way for as probably any team in in the in the league and I think we're at a point now that even though they're 10 games over 500, I look at this team and I go, the Blazers kind of suck. And I know that's probably a little bit too extreme because they're 10 games over 500, but their record of, uh, of against teams that are above them in the West is abysmal. They have one win. And that was a game three of the season against the Lakers. They have not beaten the Jazz, the Suns, the Clippers, the Nuggets, any of those teams, it's really, really, really bad. And it's not even as if they've been close in a lot of those games, <laughs> especially recently. I mean, we, we talked about the Clippers in the Utah game, lost to the Milwaukee again by 18 points. You know, we all get we all get on our high horse because they beat the Eastern Conference teams on their four-game road trip. Oh, the Blazers won four in a row. They're feeling it. They're getting it better. They're get, getting it figured out. And it felt good going into that Milwaukee game like, oh, you know, maybe they can they can make amends for that big loss that they had earlier in the year. And no, they they gave up almost a perfect night to Giannis, who only missed his three three-pointers and hit every other shot that he took. It's really bad. And the problem that I have, and I want to get to this next, the biggest problem that I have is that I don't know if it's truly going to be fixable this year. 
I mean, you only have, what, 18 games left at this point? 20 games left? And they are showing no signs of improving on defense enough to last against these good teams. And that's a huge worry. And we'll get to a little bit more of that next. This is Sports Sunday on the fan. Uh. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. DMX 946 here on Sports Sunday. Mike and Joe with you today talking the Blazers. <laughs> Shut them down. Something Blazers don't do. <laughs> At this point, a lot of fans are like, yeah, shut them down. Yeah. Yeah, it's put them out of their misery. I. All I know is pain. <laughs> Very relevant. Song. I resort to violence. Very relevant. That's how the song. Blazers have me right now. DMX, you're speaking to me. Oh, my God. Okay, so the Blazers lost two big, the two big games this week against the Jazz and the Clippers, beat the Pistons yesterday, blah, 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 blah. Here's the biggest thing that I have an issue with, and I was, I was saying it last segment. I just don't think this is fixable. And because if it was, I should say, it probably already have been, been getting better. But we're this late into the season – you know, we can't make the excuse anymore of, well, it was a shortened training camp and it's a shortened season and there's not less practice time. We can't really make that excuse anymore. They've been playing games for months. So this is where we're at with this Blazers team. And going into yesterday's game against the Pistons, I think it was Dame who was saying, like, this is the game we got we to focus starting this game to start proving our proving to ourselves that we can do it the right way. And they played well yesterday. They played well defensively and Cantor had a good game and, you know, all, all, all sorts of things went well. You beat the Pistons, right? The Pistons suck. They're one of the worst teams in the NBA. But this is what, like the fifth time that we've said this for the Blazers, like, oh, use this stretch of bad teams to get better defensively and get yourself doing the right rotations and help defense and all that kind of stuff. And yet it's not translating to the bigger teams. And because of that, I'm just not sure that it's fixable at this point. You know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but this Blazer team right now has historically one of the worst defenses ever in the NBA, ever. And it's not getting better. It's it's almost as if, like, they can only focus so much for, like, one or two quarters, and the second they take half of a step back, the second they pull their foot off the accelerator a tiny bit is when the team drops 40 on them in a quarter. And I think the strangest thing about it is it's kind of hard to figure out is because you still have good defenders on the team, right? Robert Covington has been, frankly, a revelation. Uh, now that he started shooting the three ball more consistently, that dude is legit. He's a great defender. He is your best defender. Yeah. He is a good on-ball defender, and he is an elite off-ball defender. And now that he's hitting threes at his 45 46% clip. A lot of Blazer fans have changed their tune on him yes. since the beginning of the season. I mean, in some cases with new players, it's just about patience, right? And it's a guy who who struggled last year shooting the ball as well and was just trying to find a shot again or tried to find a spot in the team. You have a really good defender in Covington, right? Derek Jones Jr., I think we thought was the best defender to start the year. 
Uh, he is still a very good defender, but he is now second, in my opinion, or third, I suppose, behind Covington. Nurk is a good defender. When Nurk came back from his injury, wasn't it apparent how much better the Blazers' defense looked in those games? Now, they still gave up the bad quarters, and it wasn't great all the time, but contested shots at the rim, what a revelation, right? Cantor just kind of like tries to contest or moves out of the way, whereas Nurk actually has the ability to contest shots. Now, Nurk's got his own issues this year. You know, he's been hurt. He has he had the mental uh, – I was going to say mental issues. He did not have mental issues. He he was uh, going through some stuff early in the year and mentally wasn't all there. So he's had his issues, but he is still a very good defender. I think Norman Powell is a pretty solid defender for this for his size. Just from what we've seen in a small small glimpse, he's a good defender. I think Nasir Little is a good defender. You have good defenders on this team. But yet the parts as a whole are not working together. I don't know if it's because the weak links on defense are so bad that no matter how good the other defenders are, it's always going to be bad. I mean, we know Melo can't defend to save his life. He's just too slow. Give him some credit. He is trying. When you watch the Blazers play, he is trying to close out shooters, but he's just slow. He can't rotate fast enough, and he's just never there in, on time. Uh, CJ's defense is eh, below average. Dame's defense is eh, below average. Cantor, we know, is a turnstile in the, in the center uh, position. He can put out effort, and he has this year, and he's looked better than he ever had in his career defensively, but it's still not very good. Yeah, it goes to say that... Simons can, is a terrible defender. It goes to say that you can have 30 rebounds and still not be the starting center. Right, exactly. So I don't, I don't know if the weakness of those guys is too much to overcome, but I think deep down... I don't think that's the case either. I've been doing putting a lot of thought into this because I have been pretty neutral on how to quote unquote fix the team because I kind of thought that they might figure it out midway through the season. How many times have we seen the Blazers in March and April go on like eight game, 10 game winning streaks and they start to figure it out? It's happened a lot in the last 10 years. I kind of was waiting to see if that would happen. And I mean, we're in April. It could still happen, I, I suppose. Say, let's be fair. It very well could happen. It I could, mean, but it doesn't appear prevalent, no. right? So I've been doing a lot of thinking about it because I'm like, obviously, this is bad. If this is a historically bad defense, there's something way worse going on here than just, you know, a couple of small things that need to be changed. And where did I land? I think I'm finally joining the Terry Stotts needs to go brigade. I'm finally at that point. And it's sad to get to that point because I think Terry Stotts is a very good head coach. Terry Stotts has created one of the best offenses in the NBA year in and year out uh, based on his system and obviously having star, a star player and some good offensive shooters as well. But Terry Stotts doesn't know how to coach defense. We know that. We've known that. But it's becoming so prevalent right now that the only way to fix this if you want to keep the roster constructed in a similar way is to replace the head coach. Now there are questions about this that are scary too. Damian Lillard loves Terry Stotts. Damian Lillard multiple times has said, I only want to play for Terry Stotts. Do you risk upsetting Dame if you decide to move on from Stotts? Isaac and Suka asked Jason Quick that question this week. And Quick said, Damian Lillard is okay with making changes that make the team better. 
His best friend in the world is Tim Frazier, former Blazer. And they traded Tim Frazier. He was close with Ed Davis, really close with Ed Davis. They got rid of Ed Davis, and he's gotten over it because he wants the team to be better, and he understands the process. I'm wondering at this point if Damian Lillard isn't sitting there going, I don't think Terry can coach defense. I don't I don't think he can fix this. And I think he would probably be upset, but inevitably I think he would be okay with it, especially if the new head coach came in and made a noticeable difference early on, whether it was in coaching style or whatever, or, you know, was a was a good fit relationship wise with Dame as well. But I just don't see how you can stop being stuck where the Blazers are stuck right now without making a significant change somewhere. I think Olshay is a pretty good GM. You know, he's had some misfires here and there, but he's pretty good. He's made some savvy trades. He's made some good draft picks. You know, he he did bring in defensive players this offseason, what the Blazers needed. It was on Terry Stotts to do with it what he could and what he's done with a better defensive team than they've had in a long time is make it one of the worst defenses in the history of the NBA. <laughs> That's incredible to me. That's ironic. Yeah. Um, this is, pro- I think in my opinion, based on the the talent on the roster in terms of defense, this is like the second or third best defensive team they've had under stops. The best being Rolo, LaMarcus, Nick Batum, Wes Matthews, and Dame. That team was a good defensive team and they were top 10 at the end of the year. I think they were seventh or, or maybe 12th, something like that. Um, I think this team is good enough with the defenders they have to be a top 15 defense. Maybe that's 14, 13, whatever. That's better than 30th. So I think that's why I've kind of finally gotten onto the fire Terry Stotts bandwagon, and it's purely just because something needs to change. And I don't think it's going to be Dame or CJ. I don't think Olshay's ever going to trade CJ, despite the fact that a lot of people still want that to happen. Um, You know, there's the argument about the roster construction, two small guards. Is that ever going to work? I think they've proven it can work. It just needs to, it just needs a little bit extra to help it. I think that, that that next step is get a new head coach and see what they can do. And if it's not the head coach, then you blow it up, right? Well, then and- you figure it out in, in the roster construction way, or, you know, if Jody Allen still owns the team and she's still really, really into it. Like apparently she is maybe old goes and you change it up there too. But we're at the we're getting we're getting to the meaty part of the Dame Prime here, and I am really nervous that it's going to be wasted without even more than one trip to the Western Conference Finals. Well, if you look at what the team has done with the roster, this is basically like the third iteration of the Blazers during the Damian Lillard era. As you mentioned, the first one was with Wes and. Nick Batum and LaMarcus Aldridge, and then they all left. So then you had the Blazers with Al Farouk Aminu and Mo Harkless, and then that's the beginning of the Nurkic era there. And now you have this kind of third version of the roster where you've had Carmelo and you got Robert Covington and you got Cantor playing a full season for the Blazers. So you've seen the roster get changed multiple times with different players and styles and focuses and well now we need to hit the three and now we need to play defense and so it's the whole fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me and now we're on this fool me three times what do we have to do here and if you've done this roster shake up plenty of times and Olshay, i mean exactly towards the beginning it was 
people love to go after him, giving Myers the contract that he did and throwing money away. And, well, he's made some better moves this last stretch of his tenure as the Blazers GM. He has somewhat made up for that and making the moves. I really don't think Olshay is the problem outside of his – I'm not sure this is necessarily a problem, but – it could be regarded as stubbornness. His undying loyalty to some of these players on the roster. That's a great way to put it. I, I was going to say stubbornness in, in his evaluation where he's not trading CJ, right? Um, I like CJ a lot as a player. I think he works. I think the two-guard thing can work. I'm still in the boat that I think it can work. It's harder than than some of the other makeups of teams, but I think that it can. And you've given them both max contracts, so you better hope it's going to work. But, I mean, you've had Kawhi Leonard traded. You've had Jimmy Butler traded three times. You've had Paul George traded. You've had Paul George traded. You've had James Harden traded. You've had surefire superstars traded that if Neil O'Shea was willing to part with CJ and or whoever, you probably could have gotten. Does that make a difference? I don't know. You think it might. But, you know, Jimmy Butler didn't work in Minnesota. And this year, the Heat don't look that great, to be honest with you. So it's kind of a, you know, with, with Butler, I think, was a pretty achievable guy. You know, Paul George reportedly, they had a deal done, but Kevin Pritchard hated the Blazers so much for what they did to him that they didn't want to do it, et cetera. I'm not blaming Olshay. He's, he's had his misses in the draft. He falls in love with certain players too much. But generally, he's done a very, very good job of building this team. Obviously, I'm blaming the defense. Some of it is the players' effort, but they've got good defenders, and because of that, I'm blaming Stotts. That's where I've come down to. I didn't want to get to this point. I think he's a good head coach. I don't think there's a lot of good head coaches in the NBA, so I think it's one of those things where when you have one that you consider good, you don't want to lose them. But we've come to the crux now. We've come to that important fork in the road of Dames 31, right? How many more years of great elite MVP quality Dame are we going to get? Three? Four? It is the modern NBA. You know, LeBron's still doing it at 37, 38, but Dame's not LeBron. He's not a freak of an athlete. How many more years of elite Dame do we have? Three or four at most? You got to start making scarier moves, riskier moves now. I don't know who the options are to bring back in if you get let go of Terry Stotts. I don't know. I have no idea who would be on the front uh, on the short list for the Blazers in that in that regard. You know, I I brought this up. I doubt this would happen, but he because he's from here, Eric Spolstra would be great. But I think he loves being with with the Heat. So unless something changes there, I don't know if that would happen. Beyond that, I don't know. Right? You know, if if the Warriors fire Steve Kerr, which you've heard some rumblings of, do you want Steve Kerr over Terry Stotts, or is it the same problem? You know, I mean, Steve Kerr has coached some good defenses, though, so maybe it's not the same problem. Yeah, but their defense ain't any better than the Blazers this year. That's right. Um, You know, do you go the assistant route? You know, Becky Hammond's name getting thrown out a lot from the Spurs or um, give Vanderpool his shot back in Portland. Right. Damon CJ loved Vanderpool and he got looked over in Minnesota, but maybe that's a bad sign for his ability to be a head coach if he got looked over there as well. Who knows? It is Minnesota, though. True. But it's going to be a risk no matter what because you're risking rocking the boat and risking changing something up big, but it's time to make that risk. And I think the first part of the – you can't just 
go and, and destroy the team for one huge risk, I don't think. It's like calculated risk after calculated risk. The first one is stops. If that doesn't work, the second one is either Olshay or team construction, depending on how you view it. And it's like a full-on blow-up, or you get a new GM and who wants to do his own thing. And then beyond that, you're kind of at the end of Dame's prime, and you, and you wasted it. So you're at that point now, and I think that's the toughest part, is you got to take that risk that some people are scared to take. And that's understandable. A lot of people love stats. I love stats. But look at the numbers, man. At some point, it's got to stop. I'm sorry, the text line. Terry Porter would be a great head coach. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. That's good. Well, Terry Porter was a great basketball player. Maybe he needs an NBA roster. That's all. Terry Porter was a great basketball player. (laughs) And I'll leave it at that. (laughs) All right. Let's get Tower 2 coming up. I want to get to Joe's quick little master segment here at the top of the second hour. Joe, I haven't watched really much of anything yet. And I'm not watching right now because the Yankees are about to start. What's going on? Is it interesting final round? <laughs> this is my time to check out and give Joe a few minutes. Tell me what's happening. Should I watch today? That's next. This is Sports Sunday on the Fan.